Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hey, everybody. How's it going? It is an exciting day today because we are going to dig into the heart of one of the hottest trends that I think we've been talking about on almost every show for the last six months as we interview different media and entertainment executives. But we have the fabulous Jim Chapin here today, who is president of the um, VR Society um, and also was very much involved in landing the spec for 3D um, in, in Hollywood, which he's going to talk about um, in a moment. But um, there's all sorts of exciting things happening in VR and all sorts of exciting events where consumers and industry people alike Um, are heading to that Jim is producing. So let's have a big Tech Cat welcome for Jim Chapin, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) We try and make it very exciting. What an audience. What a great audience. (laughs) Um, So, Jim, I want to hear all about what you've been up to, but give us uh, some of your background because you really are deeply, deeply entrenched in Hollywood and, and helping the industry in a variety of roles that you've had. So give us, give us a sense of your background. Ah, well, uh, thank you, Laurie, for having me. It's, it's great to be on with you. I actually started in radio broadcasting in high school and college and, uh, and ended up in Los Angeles working for CBS and uh, uh, radio and then television and then uh, was one of the first of the uh, people to help uh, roll out e-entertainment television. And um, and then found myself on the uh, Academy and Society side. I was president of the Primetime Emmys for uh, three uh, broadcasts. And uh, um, in the last 10 years, have really been working hard on um, what comes next when it comes to premium consumer experiences, whether those are new kinds of movies or, or new kinds of television. But most excitingly, uh, VR and uh, augmented reality and all the things that that those potentials um, offer. So uh, that's a little bit about uh, where I have come from and uh, what I do. And now um, you, you began at least this most recent incarnation as president of the Advanced Imaging Society. And that was basically because Hollywood stakeholders kind of asked you to form some sort of industry organization to help land 3D. Can you talk a little bit about what you did there? Yeah, well, you know, this is before Avatar, but uh, the studios in Hollywood and the entertainment industry really needed to upgrade movie theaters worldwide into the digital realm. And most people may not know this, but until about 10 years ago, most movie theaters still used film rolls. They get these cans and they would put the film in the sprockets and uh, project it on the screen. And after a few views, the film got scratchy and the pictures weren't great and the sound wasn't fantastic. So um, I was recruited to help um, really in that effort of of bringing digital cinema uh, into movie theaters. And one of the things that the computer chip and uh, and digital technology allowed uh, with the rollout of digital cinema and digital projection uh, was uh, 3D movies. And uh, the Hollywood entertainment uh, community really wanted to, to take movies into a whole new um, 
realm and give people uh, uh, more options than just seeing a, a film in 2D on a, on a flat screen. Um, and uh, so we helped educate filmmakers on how to make 3D movies um, and um, uh, give, give punch to, uh, to their creative um, uh, pack. And Avatar came out, and from then on, uh, the rest is history. Last year, worldwide, 1.2 billion 3D movie tickets were sold, generating $8.9 billion at the box office. Um, and our friends at Disney will tell you that for an opening weekend of a Beauty and the Beast or a Star Wars, as much as 47, 45, 47% of movie tickets for that opening weekend are either 3D or IMAX or premium format. So the very best movie fans uh, love the ultimate sound experience. They love the ultimate visual experience. Um, they love IMAX. They love 3D. And so our organization has really been kind of instrumental in helping that uh, roll out. And uh, so that's, that's, uh, that's been our role there. Has, was it hard to get all these major studios and networks, I mean, really the big players, to, to jump aboard that? You know, were they willing? Interesting. Uh, yes, because I think uh, at the end of the day, um, they, uh, they all had a common concern, a common dream of saying for us to compete in the 21st century marketplace where we all have mobile phones with all kinds of YouTube videos we can look at. For us to really keep people coming back to the movie theaters, are we going to be satisfied uh, with the technology uh, that we've used basically for the last hundred years? And I think they all concluded that we can never take our movie fans for granted and we have to continue to create even more thrilling experiences. So yes, there are days it feels like uh, herding sheep, but on the whole, everybody came together because they understood that uh, this is a very competitive uh, uh, environment for the, getting the consumer's attention and keeping the consumer's loyalty. Jeffrey Katzenberg likes to tell the story that when he stands in the back of a DreamWorks movie, he'll go to a movie theater and stand in the back of one of their films, like How to Train Your Dragon. He said he stands in the back of the film, he's, he sees families in their 20s with children between the ages of, say, 7 and 12 years old. And he said, I always wonder when I see the, the 10-year-olds coming out of a movie theater after seeing a DreamWorks movie, I always ask myself, when they're in their 20s and they have children that are 7 to 12, will they still be coming back to the movie theaters to see a DreamWorks movie? And we need to think about that because that, that will be here before we know it. And if they are going to continue to want to see our movies, we have to decide how we're going to make it even more exciting for those seven-year-olds today so that when they're 27, bringing their seven-year-olds to the movies, it's still something that is thrilling, exciting, and fun. And so um, that's, uh, that's, you know, that's the marketplace we're in. And uh, what's interesting is that <clears throat> the studios are working on high dynamic range, high frame rate, um, uh, even uh, better and, and, and uh, uh, more colorful uh, pictures and virtual reality and augmented reality. So they've got their eye on the ball uh, 10 years down the roll, road saying, how will we see a Marvel movie? How will we see a, uh, a Batman movie or a uh, DC Comics movie? <clears throat> 
um, in 2025. You know, how, how will we make things that consumers really uh, want to see? And uh, that keeps everybody pretty motivated. Now, you you then um, were asked by the, the same members of the organization who are indeed the Sonys, the Paramounts, all the biggies, to uh, to do the same thing that you did for 3D to VR. Is that correct? Because they were all, right. as you said, wondering what they should do about all this. Yeah, it's fascinating, Lori. When, <clears throat> when I was first called about the whole 3D experience, I was invited over to the Frank Wells building on the Disney movie lot in Burbank <clears throat> by a gentleman, uh, Jason Brennick. He's now at, uh, at IMAX, and he's uh, incredibly um, uh, bright and uh, visionary guy. And <clears throat> he said, look, there's this thing called uh, 3D, and we're going to make 3D movies, and there's a movie coming out called Avatar, <clears throat> and we think we need to put a group together to show people how to make great 3D movies. So I walked out of the building and I was walking along the sidewalk out to the parking lot going, 3D movie? <laughs> Who wants to see a 3D movie? And I, I, in my mind, I had the image of the people in the 1950s with the little cardboard cellophane 3D glasses. And I just thought this is okay, I guess. And then Avatar came out and the rest is history. About four years ago, we had a meeting at DreamWorks on a July afternoon, <clears throat> and everybody got together and said, okay, 3D movies are doing great at the box office. We'd like to start working on virtual reality and AR. And I walked out of the building, <laughs> and I was walking back to my car, and I said, virtual reality? Yeah. So what's fascinating about working with these creative, visionary people <laughs> is that they tell you, I think it'd be a good idea for us to be working on this. And you start working on it, and four years later, you're in the middle of it all, and you realize how visionaries, filmmakers, James Cameron, Steven Spielberg, the studio leadership, it's how far down the road they're thinking. And so I always find listening to them talk about their challenges, talk about their dreams, because those dreams have a way of becoming reality. And, um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's an exciting time to be doing what we're doing because I think it's fair to say that the industry of the 1990s is kind of gone, you know, uh, yep. uh, the, the world has just changed that much. And I've spent most of my career, um, in this industry and I know it sounds trite and I know, you know, people think they hear it all the time. But I can say I haven't seen change. The change we've seen in the last three years is more than I think we've seen in the last 30. It's oh, getting condensed. Yeah. Netflix, Amazon, Martin Scorsese making his next movie, not for a studio, right, but for a streaming service. So it's a, it's a, it's a completely, um, it's a completely uh, ever-changing environment, uh, but with those kinds of uh, changes come enormous opportunities uh, and threats. And so I think as an industry, um, you have to keep focused and you have to keep it innovative. And you can't say, well, we've done it this way for 70 years. Why should we change? That is a certain path to corporate death. So um, I think they're all, I think they're all very, very motivated to um, do something magical. And these are people that know how to do that. 
Uh, Jim, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, I want to dig into some of the trends that you're seeing, because I know you're doing original research, you're doing consumer research around VR and AR, and you're also, as you mentioned, constantly talking to these studio heads, but you're also talking to technology companies and Mm -hmm. to the Oculuses and to the software companies, and so now we have this whole tech piece that we're winding into this business as well. So we're going to be back in a moment with the fabulous Jim Chapin digging more into the future of entertainment um, and more information about what VR society is up to. We'll be back in a moment. Can't wait. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform, innovate, create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. All right, and we are back with the fabulous Jim Chapin, who is president of the VR Society. And we were just talking about how all the studios and network executives, the biggies, really stay in touch with what's going to happen because they don't want to lose their audience. So my my question to you, Jim, is I know a lot of your members are the big studios and networks, but we're also seeing software companies like Unity and hardware companies and Samsung's and, you know, um, Oculus and companies like that be a part of this. So are you finding yourself now in a room full of hardware and software folks? We've always tried, Lori, to... Be, you know, the people at the table are half tech geniuses and half creative people because the creative people can say, can you guys do this so that in my next movie we can do that? Uh, could you guys do this because we're working on the next Star Wars and we want space to be really, really black and we want the stars to twinkle, not just be one shade of white. We want each individual star in the universe to, so when we move our space Jedi force through it. Uh, so uh, <laughs> it glistens. So we've always been at that juncture between, okay, how do we do this? Or could you help us do this? And the technology people saying, yeah, we think we can do that. Can you do this? Or how would we do this? So it's always been right at the razor cutting edge of where movies and technology meet. What's fascinating is we were talking about what, what founded the organization. The original meeting, and I could be wrong, but I think the these are the, the studios. It was Disney, Marvel, Pixar, DreamWorks, Paramount, and IMAX, probably. It was at the first sandwich meeting to say, let's put this group together. 
If I look at our members today, they are Dell, AMD, Intel, Warner Brothers, Marvel, Fox, Hewlett Packard, uh, Discovery, Unity, um, Facebook, uh, HTC Vive. Uh, so it's fascinating that if you look at what has really, if, if our organization is a reflection of the overall industry, it's that we started as Hollywood. We are now Hollywood and Silicon Valley. That that nice. is a that is a uh, a merger of problems and solutions, challenges and opportunities. However you want to look at it, it is what the computer chip is able to deliver to the uh, to the creative experience of dazzling audiences worldwide. So it's moving quickly because all that technology is moving quickly, but that's what makes this such an exciting time to be doing what you're doing and what I'm doing. It's, it, it's just mind blowing. What's, what's happening. Now you're up in uh, Silicon Valley um, today doing consumer research around a lot of this. Is there anything that you can share with us about what you're learning and why is this research so important right now? So, Yes, we're doing two days of consumer research, and I should say that this is a this is a kind of a, a coalition of companies based in Silicon Valley and Hollywood. Actually, <clears throat> I am now talking to you from the research facility in San Diego. San Diego <clears throat> was selected for our research because it's out of the media uh, spotlight of New York, Los Angeles, or the Bay Area, which has Silicon Valley. So that when we talk to consumers here um, and and uh, recruit people to come in and talk to us and experiment with VR and get their experiences, they they you know they aren't uh, they aren't influenced by the media bubbles that the major metropolitan areas have. So I'm actually in San Diego, and the fascinating thing about the last two days and the consumers we just we just finished uh, 30 minutes ago, and there's someone inside being interviewed right now. And, and being put through it. So I stepped into an office to, to talk to you. We just talked to a mother of five. Her husband is in the military based in San Diego. She has five children, two boys, three girls. And we, the research people, uh, showed her several virtual reality experiences and asked after everyone, how do you see this? What do you think? She was so excited she said that we showed her a piece with Buzz Aldrin uh, in virtual reality showing you what it's like to stand on the moon. And she said, oh, my husband would love this. My 15-year-old <laughs> boy would love this. Then we showed her showed a piece that's called Dear Angelica, and it's a thoughtful, uh, a beautiful little uh, story. And she said, oh, my daughters would like this. So, we, so the, the interviewer said, well, what do you think of the future of virtual reality? And she said, I... I think it's going to be very big. I think it's good. I think it's very important. <laughs> It'll be good in education. It will be good in entertainment. And when you have five children, you try to buy things for the kids that all of them can enjoy rather than, you know, we just don't have the money to buy everybody a big gift. So if we can get a gift for everybody, then everybody can enjoy it. And it allows my husband and I to, to afford to get something. This is the kind of thing we can give to the whole family. Now, Five years ago or eight years ago, if we were doing movie research or television research, and my background at CBS and E-Entertainment, we would do research. 
people look at television or they look at going to the movies, it's a very simple concept. Oh, yeah, we watch TV, or I like these TV shows. I like the Kardashians, or I, I, I watch CNN, or whatever, whatever it is. They have their, their, their either news or ESPN. They love sports. Or they say, yeah, we take our kids to go see uh, uh, you know, movie, Disney movies on the weekends, whatever, uh, you know, Cinderella or Beauty and the Beast. We took our kids to see Beauty and the Beast. When it comes to virtual reality, <clears throat> what's fascinating about the consumers we're talking about is that they see it as as something that's got this wide, wide application. And these are, we're not giving them these words. These are unaided. We are, we are just asking them to talk about what they see. And I've just not seen anything quite like it because in television, it's, I watch this, I watch this, this is my favorite show. My husband watches this, so I don't care for it, but I'll be in the other room and I'll watch something on my iPad. When it comes to virtual reality, it's that it fires their imaginations and they think, Oh, I think this Buzz Aldrin piece about traveling in space would be wonderful. A gentleman we interviewed, there was a gentleman who came in yesterday. He had two sons who were nine years old. And we showed him that piece. We've got about a dozen or two dozen VR pieces. And he said, I grew up wanting to be an astronaut. And I didn't make it. I I got my, my master's in technology and science and astronomy, blah, blah, blah. But I have two boys. One is seven and one is nine. And you know what? There's a chance one. They'd like to be astronauts, too, but they've got a chance to actually be an astronaut. So when I see something like this with Buzz Aldrin explaining what it's like to go to the moon and walk around on the moon, I think if this would help my boys get inspired to take physics and all the mathematics necessary to have a career like I did, I, I just think this is a magical opportunity. So we're behind the mirror. Right, we're we're right, back right, here. and you're just wa- you're watching, watching them say things because I I um did that Buzz Aldrin experience too, and by by our colleagues at Loot Interactive um, among many who worked on it, and I remember thinking, oh, I'm actually interested in space now, because I was never like I don't know, it just it was always interesting, but I was never like turned on by it, and I took off the, you know, the headset and everything, and I was like, oh my god, I get it now. You know, because well, it puts it, you I, there. It's right? enormously, yeah, it's fascinating because someone mentioned uh, in, in the course of the last two days, that's all things in his 80s. And so to all of us who remember the moon landing or remember growing up watching video of the moon landing, we kind of know who Buzz Aldrin is, but he's really one of the last of the astronauts who actually walked on the moon who's still alive. And so the ability for the team at Loot and, and the group that you are familiar with to create, in essence, a hologram of Buzz Aldrin taking you on a guided tour of the surface of the moon. And you're on the moon. They have video of you on the moon. So, cool. <laughs> so you're sitting there with Buzz and the American flag on the moon, and you can look around at the granular surface. You realize that Buzz Aldrin won't be here forever. And so, but this video will, this VR experience will be here for a long, long time. And you have a chance to stand next to Buzz Aldrin on the moon and have him tell you where to look, what this is like, uh, why it's important that we travel in space. That's not going to a movie and it's not watching a TV. Whatever VR is, whatever this is, what I'm saying is it's unlike anything that I've been involved with. And I have a traditional entertainment background of being exposed to a lot of television, a lot of streaming, uh, a lot of apps, a lot of websites, and a lot of motion pictures. And I'm just saying, 
whatever this is, whatever VR is, people don't see it in the same category of video games or, or, or TV or traditional media. It's something new, and it has an enormous amount of potential. So I would say, what are we learning from the consumers? The one thing, Laurie, that is fascinating for me is, you know, we all see research, and we live in Los Angeles and work in New York, and we all look at these statistics and ratings, and I think people have a tendency to think that the average consumer is not you know, is very busy and they have lives and they're not really aware of a lot of things going on as much as those of us who work in the industry. What I'm fascinated with is listening to the last two days of consumers. Consumers know they're sharp. They know what's what's going on. Did did you find that um, you you and I have talked about this at length, that distribution is one of the challenges in VR. Did, Did any of the people who who you are putting the headset on complain about the you know putting the headset on. Um, actually, not. Uh, and and in that kind of an environment, you're ready for someone to complain, right? You're ready. Yeah. You're watching everything they do. Um, I think what happens is they get into the middle of the VR experience and they forget. They forget right, the room right. they're in. They forget. They forget their surroundings because I've got, you know. Uh, so many visual impressions in the last two, two days, but people are wandering around, exploring, doing what they're doing in a room, and they don't know. They've, they've lost the fact that they're in a meeting room at a research facility in San Diego. They're on the moon with Buzz Aldrin. So there's something about this that uh, the payoff of where they get to go, uh, uh, so when they take the headset off, what they're talking about is, wow, that was cool. I did this, and I picked up that, and I saw the gnomes, and I saw the goblins, and I did this over here. They're not saying, oh, my hair's messed up because I put this headset on. Uh, so I think, that, I think that was a, that's a real insight that we've seen, which is people are prepared. You're taking them to another world. Um, they're, they're not sitting here complaining about the, the, the headset they have to put on. What's fascinating and great is that um, the headsets are coming down in size and, and, you know, they're getting better, faster, cheaper, and all those things. And like all consumer products, um, I have no doubt that, uh, you know, with Silicon Valley and Facebook and Apple all working on this, they're going to figure it out, and it's going to be easy. What we need to do is not worry about the technology and, and all of that because – no one does that better than Silicon Valley, and they're highly motivated on this. Um, what we got to do is say, well, once we're, you know, we've got to talk about what, what they're going to watch. Where are we going to take them? What, what can we do with this, this magic um, that the consumer, because Silicon Valley does a lot of things really, really well. They don't, they're not Hollywood. They don't, they don't, right. you know, they don't make magic. Hollywood makes magic, you know. You, you travel. You can be in wait, Jim, wait, Jim, before you get into that, yeah. we have to take one more break. Yeah. And when we come back, um, I want to talk more about that. And also, you okay. have done so many events over the years. And I want to find out from you why events are so important to push all of this forward. So we're going to be back okay. in a moment on the Tech Cat Show with Jim Chapin. We're getting into the heart of the future of VR, AR, and content experiences with, with the man who gets to talk to everybody, ladies and gentlemen. So we'll be back in a moment. When 
it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hey, everybody. We have been chatting with the fabulous Jim Chapin, who is president of VR Society, which is an industry organization really dedicated to, I guess, landing the plane in the future of a lot of advanced imaging technologies. And we're going to now talk a little bit about one of the um, things that VR Society does so well. And Jim, you have done so well, which is produce events. Why do you think the events, events are so important in this world? That's a good question, Lori. And I, <clears throat> I, I've, I, I have spent uh, a, a fair amount of my career convening people, uh, getting people together uh, for conferences. And sometimes I, I wonder myself, um, what is it? Because people can video conference, people can do webinars. What is it about getting people together face-to-face that's so important? And I think most of us will will say, I, you know, I, I went to a wedding reception on Sunday afternoon in Los Angeles, and I ended up talking <laughs> with the head of sound for Warner Brothers who was oh. working on Wonder Woman. Um, and oh, my God, how fun. In the, in, the, in the car coming home from this wedding, what I was fascinated by was I never knew I was going to run into anybody who had been working on Wonder Woman at Warner Brothers, this the, the, the bride and groom or, you know, the financial service industry. So I think there's something about pulling people together because what happens when you do that and you put the, the pole down and say, come stand around this flag for a couple of days is that people somehow meet someone or have a conversation and exchange email addresses with people that they otherwise would not think of meeting. And it may be someone who's going to hire them for their next job. It might be that they find someone that they want to hire in a job that they're placing. Um, it may be a new source of business. I'm looking for a new, I need a new customer to help drive my small business. Whatever it is, I'm just struck by how once an event gets started, I always stand back and just watch the crowd because they're shaking hands. They're exchanging business cards. They're doing business. They're doing they're finding, they're pursuing their own personal interests in a group of people that otherwise wouldn't come together for two days. Um, you might, you, someone told me once, uh, um, he came from London to attend our event at uh, Paramount Studios last year, VR in the lot. And I asked him, was this valuable? He said, it would take me three months to get appointments with all the people that I've been spending time with 
you know, in the last two days, saying hello to and exchanging business cards. So I think getting people together is uh, um, the most essential uh, role. And I think at a time when all of us are less and less connected, you know, we're, we're, we're more connected in one respect because we're all on our phones. Uh, someone in one of our, our research uh, interviews this morning said that the first, the first question his five-year-old son asks every morning is, can I play with the iPad before breakfast? Oh, mine does the same now, thing. Now, I hear that, and I am astounded, and I don't think it's unusual, <laughs> but we are so connected in certain respects, but interfacing with other people face-to-face and meeting them and getting to know them and laughing with them and deciding, oh, I really like this person. I'd really like to work with this person. That is more important than ever uh, because if, if, if we're not careful, many of us work from home. Many of us uh, have our own small businesses, more, more so than ever in my lifetime. If we're not careful, you can get isolated. You're connected by email, but you wouldn't recognize the person maybe that you're talking to. You, you know them by email. You know them by Facebook, but you've never spent more than 10 minutes in their presence. And I think once you spend a little time with people, you're more inclined to find the people you want to do business with and they pick up on your energy and they like your chemistry and they decide they want to do business with you. So it's an essential part, I think, of being a social human being. And um, I think gathering people together, I, I rarely had someone after one of our conferences come up and say, that was the biggest waste of time ever. <laughs> I, it just doesn't happen. It, it is always, I love that speaker or um, I met someone, whatever, I got two new clients, whatever it is. But um, something happens when you get people together that takes on a life of its own. And as the conference organizer, once it starts, I don't really do much. It's kind of to stand back and let let nature take its course. People make connections, and and um, we are and human business, beings. We're social animals. Yeah. And I think we need to be together. And I think at a time when it's easily to get isolated, it's more important than ever that we get off of our chair and out of our office and go interact with other human beings and find those business relationships that will help us realize our dreams. Now, um, VR Society did a very well um, attended and well-spoken of event last year called On the Lot, which was basically gathering um, everyone in the ecosystem together for two days of panels and sessions. And, And it did exactly what you talked about. I mean, people are still talking about that event. What, what events do you have coming up in the next six months now that well, VR and AR have moved further along? What, what needs to happen next? Well, I think that the, the, uh, as we were talking about our organization, it was, you know, Hollywood and Silicon Valley. Now there's a, a real, the, the next, you know, third leg to that stool are the brand and advertising and, and uh, um, media organizations in New York, you know, they're based everywhere, but, but New York is a huge hub for the Madison Avenue uh, advertising and media. So we are connecting Madison Avenue and the New York marketing and media groups with Silicon Valley and Hollywood, knowing that they all want and need to interact with each other in order to, um, to do business. So we have two events coming up in New York City. And you mentioned Beyond the Lot. We'll be back with that in October at Warner Brothers Studios. It's going to be expanded to be three days. 
and it'll be the tech people and the creative people, the filmmakers and the and the digital experts getting together to to imagine what the future is going to be like. And we also have um, uh, an event in New York uh, coming up in uh, the next few weeks called um, the Art of VR. Um, we have had a a great relationship with the folks at Sotheby's Auction House, and you may remember a few weeks ago that a painting sold for $100 million oh my by a God. artist <laughs> who, who, who passed away uh, far before his time was done. That was sold at Sotheby's in New York, and we've all seen on television when they auction off a painting for $100 million. It makes the news. You'll see that. And, and there's an auction, and you can see everybody bidding on it. Well, that actually, uh, much of that takes place at Sotheby's in New York City. So if you walk into their 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 building, they'll take you up to the seventh floor. You'll see the auction room, and you'll see where all of this uh, happens. Uh, they've been fascinated with virtual reality, and uh, many of their bidders on their paintings and other works of art are all over the world. They're not necessarily in the room when those bids are made. So uh, they people at the Metropolitan Opera, Broadway community, uh, the arts communities, museums, are all fascinated on what might VR mean. Uh, how to, VR removes the space between me and, 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 and the performance. It, it just does. It puts you in uh, a, a space. So I think that uh, uh, we thought it would be a great idea to get the arts community together in New York and the folks at Sudbury said, let's do it at our facility in New York. So on um, June 22nd and 23rd, the Art of VR will be held at Sotheby's. We have three floors of the building. Uh, you can get tickets. They're not expensive at uh, theartofvr.com, at theartofvrny.com. Um, but we have uh, artists and actors and actresses and directors and um, opera people all talking about how VR might be able to um, allow them to connect to audiences that, you know, aren't located in New York City. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's artistic. Um, you can come and put on headsets and experience all kinds of new things. They're premiering some really cool stuff there that you won't see anywhere else. And then in, uh, in July, uh, 12th and 13th in New York at uh, Time Inc. World Headquarters at uh, the World Trade Center, uh, we're hosting uh, VR in the Sky, which is a two-day event for all the advertising brands and the, the news and media people um, in New York City and bringing in a bunch of people from Silicon Valley and Hollywood so that they could all discuss and brainstorm and meet each other and connect. So um, we're, we're busy for the next uh, uh, couple months, again, convening people to help them accelerate uh, the success of their companies and their businesses. And um, you know, a lot of what we do is try to make sure that um, we all don't make the same mistakes. If we all share how we do things and what works and what doesn't work, um, we don't have to make the mistakes that our friends have made, and they don't have to make the mistakes that we made, and it accelerates growth and success. Um, we, we get there faster if we're all communicating what we're doing, and people learn from each other. And I'm fascinating, and I always have been, and I know you have too, but we work in a very competitive industry where these movie studios or television networks all compete with each other, Netflix, Amazon. It's fascinating that when they get together and 
you're with the professional teams, they're all sharing with each other. I had a real problem with this, or this worked really well, or that didn't work right. so well. Or, so much and I think and more, more than any other um, sort of industry, I think, in so many ways, because I've been fascinated, too, with how open and sort of forward they are on stage talking about things, whereas in other industries or in other pieces of business in our world, everyone is so concerned about what they say in public. But here it right. seems like everyone's inviting dialogue. I think if I think if they feel that the environment's safe, right? Um, yeah, uh, they're just people, right? They've got kids in school. They're trying to hang on to their job. They're trying to to, to have a career. And if they meet someone who may be a competitor and working for another organization, but they can help that person personally succeed and and avoid you know some of the pitfalls that they've been through they're they're more than willing to do that knowing that there's someone who's going to help them give them a break along the way so uh yeah i i think that's that's fantastic to see and it's um i don't know a lot of other industries i'm not i don't have a background in life insurance or or <laughs> finance or banking so i really don't know how other industries work but in the creative and technical fields but especially in the creative I'm I'm struck too, Lori, uh, about how people really open up their hearts and say, you know, this was really a disappointment, or I wish I could have done this better, or we didn't have enough time to get this done, um, or if you're doing this, be sure to try to do this to because it'll cut down the amount of time you have to 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 work on it so that you can make your day and date. Anyway, it's it's a it's a it's a great it's a great kind of community um, that that shares and everybody. I think understands that for us all to do well, then you need to do well and I need to do well because no one company right now, no one, I don't care how big they are. No one company can make virtual reality a success. No one company can make AR a success. It's going to take a community. It really is going to take a lot of, a lot of organizations, a lot of creative teams all succeeding for us to have something in the, the news this week about Apple um, uh, starting to build the capability into their, their max uh, for AR and VR uh, down the road. I think that's an indication that uh, just about every major company uh, feels the need and the opportunity and the excitement for what this new future will be able to bring. And I, one of the things that, that I'm, we have two, two factors. Oh, wait, Jim, are, wait, hold on, hold on to that thought. We're going to take one more break. Okay. And when we come back, we'll okay. dig into the rest of that. And okay. also um, where we can continue to learn more about VR, especially for folks who are jumping in for the first time. Maybe you can share some resources with us. So we'll be back in a moment Great. with Jim Chapin, president of VR Society, giving us all sorts of insights dropping us into some great information about the future of immersive content. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. 
Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. And we're back with Jim Chapin for our last segment, digging into the future of VR and AR with um, his organization, VR Society, which is an industry organization that really helps to advance the arts and sciences of imaging technologies. And Jim, how do you keep up with everything? Are you an avid reader? Are you, I know you go to a lot of these events, but you're in the events. Um, How do you know what's going on all the time? You know, what's fascinating, Lori, is a part of uh, the most meaningful, I'm going to be in Shanghai next week. I was in literally Cairo and Amman, Jordan last week. What I think one of the most important things we can all do <clears throat> is travel. That doesn't mean physically get on a plane. It may, <clears throat> but uh, attending events and, and conferences. I was at a conference last week in Los Angeles <clears throat> that I'd never heard of. I'd never heard of this group, but it was a group of research people working on how, uh, how they target uh, moviegoers uh, on Facebook and and YouTube and how they get those people to come to movies. I'd never heard of this organization. It's called HITS, H-I-T-S. Went to this conference. Most interesting two days. Most interesting two days. Wow. We talked about how we're completely rethinking how we get people to come to the movies. So I think the, the most important thing is get out of your, you know, get off, get out of your space and go interact with other people. <clears throat> you don't have to go to conferences. <clears throat> But I think um, I, th- I think that's a that's a uh, really good uh, place to be. I find Facebook uh, to be a huge resource. Uh, and just as we were talking, uh, a friend of ours, Scott Hetrick, uh, uh, tagged on Facebook that he's listening to our, our show today, your show, um, and he's in the Midwest. So uh, you know, I think the uh, if, if you're part of a Facebook uh, user group and you <clears throat> friend people who are in a field that you're interested in, you will get a daily digest of articles and things that are of interest to you. And I may just read the first paragraph or just read the headline or whatever. The other thing is I'm amazed at how much I watch YouTube. Um, If I see something or hear about something, I find, and this is new to me, you know, five years ago I didn't do this, but I do now, is that uh, before I go to bed at night or sometime during the day, if I've got a little time, if I have an issue or something or I read about something that happened on a TV show or some new technology or a press conference, 
uh, I go to YouTube and plug it in, and I can see Tim Cook talking at Apple about what they're doing with VR and AR in their new products. So you can actually be, you know, at the press conference. So I, I find Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, um, and YouTube to be uh, very, very core uh, 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 sources for me. There, there are two. There are two factors that that no matter where I go, and and uh, and, and I one thing I you know it's 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 it's. Uh, it, it's, it's a necessity of my job, but it's travel. I travel a lot. The one thing that they will tell you in Shanghai or Beijing or Berlin or Paris or London or New York or Los Angeles is that there is a common feeling <laughs> from the people who are researching these things is that the cell phone that we are now holding <laughs> is a mature platform and it is going to go away. You know, the iPhone or the the uh, Galaxy, or whatever whatever phone that that's been around. The iPhone's now ten years old. Uh, traffic deaths in the United States went up last year. It's a very unsettling trend that there are more and more traffic accidents, people getting killed, teenagers getting killed on the highways because people are playing with their their cell phones instead of paying attention to driving. That's why self driving cars and all these new technologies hopefully will. Will, will help us. But ultimately, we have to understand that there will be a day when we look at our iPhone that we're all holding today or the, the Samsung, and it's going to look really odd to us. Now, we don't know what's going to replace it, but I suspect that it's going to be a new way of imaging that may be Ray-Bans, it may be eyeglasses, who knows, but we're going to absorb a lot of media and data in new and interesting ways using holograms or or VR and AR. The other trend that's unmistakable is Generation Z. These are the teenagers of today, the 12 to 24. They watch something for nine seconds before making the decision whether to stay and continue to watch it or to scroll on something else. Nine seconds. That's if they turn on the television set, if they are on their iPad, if they're on YouTube. They spend their day on Snapchat, WeChat, Facebook, Instagram. These are social media uh, people coming up who know how to make video. They know how to make movies. They know how to create art using technology. So if you have a younger generation of tech-savvy tech cats, and you've got a, you've got a, uh, a, a technology uh, drive that says whatever we're using now, probably we won't be using in five or ten years. Those two combinations of things mean that a lot of the traditional things that you and I have grown and everyone listening to this program have been used to, whether it's a laptop or a desktop or an iPad or an iPhone, that that technology or going to the movies or watching TV, um, it's all going to change. How? We don't know. It's going to get faster. It's going to get better. It's going to get more amazing. Um, and I think that what we're all trying to do is figure out Okay, how do I how do I make sure my career is a part of that? How do I make sure that my little company, regardless of what I do, is is up to speed on that? You know, one of the things about AR and VR is that the real estate, the cruise lines, the uh, travel industry, the airline industry. One of our people yesterday said, "I'm really troubled uh, by what's happening in London, and I'm so sorry about the terrorism." 
and I have children, and there's no way I would take my children to London now because I'm afraid of their safety. But I would take them in DR. Ah, so interesting. We're, 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 right, that, interesting? that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so we are talking to a mother who's saying, I was hoping to take my kids to London because I love London, but right now I think it's too dangerous to take my children, but I couldn't. I could, I could take them in VR. So all of this is happening, and I think all of us can say, hang on. <laughs> the good news is nobody has the answers. No one has the answers. We all have questions. I've met no one who says, yes, I know where we're all going. Nope. Nobody knows. We all know that we're uh, – uh, John Favreau directed Jungle Book, Iron Man, was on Seinfeld, brilliant, brilliant director and actor and creative said um, – Technology moves only one way, and that's forward. Storytelling has always been the killer app. It, you know, it's from the caveman to, the, to sitting by the fire to watching Ed Sullivan and the Beatles on TV, if you're that old, or the man landing on the moon. We have watched the drama of life through stories. That's how we've gotten it. So what his point is, I don't know what the future holds, but I know that technology only moves one way. And that's forward, so we all have to move forward. It, we don't have a choice if you want to stay relevant and employed. The other thing is, remember that people always resonate with stories. There's something human about it. There's something that makes life worth living. Um, that's, that's, uh, that's the killer app. And so if we all keep those things in mind in the way we face our businesses, our careers, our families, I think we're all going to be fine. But, uh, but we're in for the ride of our lives. But it's fun. It's fun. Right. It's, that's such a great point to, to end the show on. And just before we wrap out, where can people um, find out more about what you're up to? Are you a tweeter? Are you, you know, is it active on your Facebook page? Where can we find out more at, about what you're up to? Yeah. At, yeah. Uh, I'm uh, at Jay Chabin on uh, Twitter, uh, on Facebook, Jim Chabin. Uh, the website to go to is the Advanced Imaging Society.com. Uh, you can connect on there, see lots of cool videos. And go on YouTube and look at uh, Advanced Imaging Society, and you'll see a series of sit-down interviews with everybody from uh, the makers of Marvel movies to uh, technology that is transforming the cell phone. And that's on YouTube and available for free to anybody who'd like to watch it. Well, and, it's been a pleasure interviewing say, the king of interviewing, <laughs> Jim yeah, well, Chapin, I, I, president I, of VR Society. Check out The Art of VR um, in June in New York. And also VR in the Sky, which are the two upcoming events for VR Society. And more coming from Jim Chapin. Check out everything he's up to on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you so much, Jim. Lori, thank you. And stay tuned to TechCat. Uh, this is a great place <laughs> to stay in touch with what's going on. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Lori. Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 